Hi, you've called the Mojo Radio Show. We can't come to the phone right now because we're about to start the show. But please, wait for the tone and the boys will be with you shortly. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's show. Nice to have you on board. Nice to have you on board the bus, the big red bus we call the Mojo Radio Show. Another great guest, another interesting guest this week, a guy who had a dream to be a writer. He's made that happen. He's dug himself out of the darkness to make it happen. And he shares the good, the bad and the ugly of his journey. A very, really interesting show. And then we'll catch up with a guy who is getting after it. A guy we spoke to almost a year ago now who had a bit of a startup, a side hustle. And he's about to uh, go full on. He's one of our good mates of the Mojo Radio Show. A little shout out before we start to Emily and all the guys at Roseville College. Now, the Year 11 food tech students at Roseville College wrote to us. They've been listening to us with Smithy, uh, our segment called Ask Smithy, about anything to do with wellness and health. They were curious on how you use bone broth in spaghetti. So we've sent all the details through from Robbo's Kitchen. Uh, but hi to Emily and all the guys at Roseville College. Thanks for your note. It does warm the cockles of our mojo hearts. So thank you, guys. Um, in the driver's seat behind the bus with the Valua seat covers and the lava lamp uh, and the Tim Tam hanging from the rear vision mirror. Uh, Robbo, welcome to the show. What's going on with you, mate? Oh, mate, it's all happening. Firstly, can I just say move over Gordon Ramsay. Here comes Robbo and his bolognese sauce. <laughs> <laughs> it's a narrow lane, that one. Absolutely. And secondly, the other thing that's got my mojo going this week is I need to give a shout out to the lovely people at Smile FM in Cape Town, South Africa, who I started working with last week. They certainly have their mojo cranking and we're working on some really awesome things together. So um, a big shout out to them because I've mentioned the Mojo Radio Show to them just on the QT as well. So hopefully they're listening. Nice. Well, that's very good. We are hard at work here on Rocktober, folks. We've got a great Rocktober coming up. Our lineup of guests is international class, probably one of the strongest lineups of four or five, six weeks that we've had back to back. So we are working very hard. How is the production sounding, mate? The production is kicking along. AP did his first voice session for me last week. So uh, the production stuff is well underway. Uh, It takes a while to do though, but um, it will be sounding bigger and better than last year by the time it gets to air. So mate, um, given the fact we are still at the back end of August and we are feverishly working on Rocktober, should we remind folks who were with us last year what Rocktober is all about? And anybody who's new to the show, we know that we've had a substantial increase globally on our little program. Mm. Should we give them a little uh, refresher of what Rocktober is all about from uh, 2016? I think we should. For decades, it was a tradition built in rock. Wow. It's the celebration of humanity. Oh, my God, it's amazing. The best. It sets you free, and when you dance to it, Uh, you know, it got to the point where people wanted real music from real people and real songs from real people. Real people. But somewhere along the way, it became just another casualty of financial restraint. And let's be honest, let's be honest. apathy. Now, now, let's do it. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. 
the Mojo Radio Show is bringing it back. Welcome to Rocktober 2016. A 31-day celebration of all things Mojo. From the boardroom to the bedroom. The biggest stars from the stage. Hey guys, this is Malcolm and Joseph from Dead Days. Hi, this is Ivor Davies from Lifehouse. To the theatre. Dr. Charlie Teo, welcome to Rocktober. And the big screen. This is Dave Fletcher from Pirate Life Radio. You listen to the Mojo Radio Show. Plus, all the trimmings you'd expect from the rockingest month on the calendar. Stand by. Rocktober starts now. So that is what Rocktober is all about. Rocktober has a history in radio across the world, actually, where it was a month where radio stations literally took the month of October, turned themselves inside out with guests and giveaways and the production, as you can hear, is out of this world. And we've done that last year. It was a huge, huge month for us. We picked up a lot of interest from around the world. This year, as Robbo said, is going to be bigger and better. Our lineup of guests is superstar and uh, we're putting it all together. So anyone, anyone out there who's got an idea for Rocktober, uh, jump onto our socials. Email us through our website or leave something on iTunes. We are all ears as we get ready for Rocktober. The Mojo Radio Show. So as I scour the interwebs looking for great stories for my own interest and to share, I guess, in some ways, or find content for the show. I came across a guy um, on Mind Body Green who'd written some very interesting stories about millennials. But the more I dug into it, the more I found that Daniel Dowling, who is a writer from the United States, hello to all our friends in the States, uh, is an interesting guy with a fascinating backstory. And what I love about this interview is that Daniel had a dream to be a writer, And now he is a writer and his work is being shown around the world in some of the most prestigious publications, I guess, online. He's been able to build a career as a writer, but also the thing I think is curious about him is it wasn't always that way. He went through a pretty dark phase as a lot of us go through. He's dug his way out of that. He is now writing prolifically. He's making a big difference in other people's worlds. I sent a note to Daniel and said, mate, you got your mojo working. Come on the show. Talk about what you do and how you do it. We got him on the line. Daniel Dowling, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. So happy to be here, Gary. So let's um, let's create a bit of a picture for folks. When somebody says to you, what do you do? What's your reply? Don't you have a better question? <laughs> you want to start with the easy one? So I'll, I write, I coach, and I edit. But that sounds really boring. <laughs> so, Daniel, you uh, when I was looking around at your stuff, I found two different websites. One was around millennial success and one was about your writing. We're going to dig into both of them. But just starting on the millennial success, the headline says, Directors for the Lost Generation. What 
What exactly do you mean by that? Directives for the Lost Generation means action steps that you can take today to make your life what you want it to be. Because most people aren't living the lives they want. They're not in the relationships they want. They're not in the careers that they want. Um, they don't have the lifestyle that they want. So if, you, if you're not where you want to be, then technically you're lost. And uh, usually it's, it's not for a lack of um, good genes or anything like that. It's, it's about the steps that you take, the actions that you take on a day-to-day basis. So that's what directives for the lost generation means to me uh, it's funny because we the media focuses on millennials a lot and marketing and brand talks about millennials a lot but it's the perception is given off is they've actually got it together like they are a generation that seems to know what they want they're making their own rules they're creating their own path is it your belief that they they are a bit lost well i think the whole world's lost but <laughs> so yeah, by yeah, extension yeah. yes millennials would be um but I think millennials are more lost in in a lot of senses than other generations, but they're also more found than a lot of generations, like the ability to create their own work and um, the the regard for pursuing their own career, their passions. I think that's that's a far advance from what people were born into, you know, even just one generation ago, like, you know, you gotta be a doctor, you gotta be a lawyer. And I know so many millennials personally who have gotten the law degrees and have, you know, gotten their, um, their physician's licenses. And they said, you know what, I want to teach or, uh, I want to set up a shake shop or, you know, I just want to travel the world and blog. And, uh, I think that's really cool. So that's that's what makes us found. But uh, in the lost department, um, we're we don't really we don't have a good concept of what it means to love, uh, what it means to be in an unconditionally loving relationship, and how to make that work. I think we're more lost than most generations because we grew up with pornography. Uh, we grew up with all of these movies that say, you know, just follow your feeling and do what feels right instead of, uh, you know, forming a, a disinterested friendship where you're just caring about that person for who they are, not for what, the pleasure that you want for them, and then organically forming a relationship from there. Um, so that's one of the main things that I work with for my coaching clients. It's one of the main things that I write about. Uh, and the other part of being lost is uh, you just really being able to set strong goals and strong routines um, where you have a bunch of high value, uh, reflective and proactive things going on all throughout your day rather than constantly reacting to say Facebook or text or emails. And I was guilty, guilty, guilty uh, in that lost department. And that's, that's what made me effectively career castrated me. <laughs> until until I got smart about really limited, limiting my digital intake. That describes you and me well, Gary. Career castrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that could go all wrong, couldn't it? Um, <laughs> Daniel, what are the, as a millennial, you're close to it. You've got friends that are in that group. I'm, I'm quite fascinated by it because I was my best mates are millennials as well and I always use them as a guiding light for me in terms of trying to understand 
the difference in generations, not right or wrong, but they're just different. It's have a different way of doing things. In your mind, what are some of the misconceptions that we have about this generation? Um, that they're all job hopping slackers. That's one. And I, I'm even guilty a lot of you know, just wanting to put that stereotype. Uh, but then, you know, every time that I talk to one of my editors or uh, one of my coworkers or, you know, even most of my clients, they're all very successful uh, men and women. And so it's, you know, they're not just all sitting on their parents' couch. They're not all, you know, drooling at digital uh, goddesses in their parents' basement. But that's, that's faulty. You just mentioned success. And I know you've written about this, but I'd be curious to understand the millennial generation, what is their definition of success for them in life? And let's talk in and out of work. What does success mean? Uh, Doing what they want. That's it. So, you know, it's important to do what you love and I think it's just an incomplete definition of success. Um, so, so a lot of people, you know, they want 5% higher pay. So they immediately uh, abandon their, their worker that they've been with for a year or two. And I've known several types like this, um, or, you know, they want to, they want, you know, whatever relationship they want to have right now, whether they're ready for it or not. Um, so we get what we want but then we're not happy and I don't think that's successful. So I think a better definition of success is doing what you love while doing what you know is right and helping others along the way. Um, yeah. Cause that you can't really go wrong there. If you're, if you're driven by uh, the needs of other people, then you're, you're always going to find a more holistic definition of success. That's gold. That's gold. I picked it up from Zig Ziglar. <laughs> I did. I did. Um, we're going to dig into Zig. Don't worry about that. We're going to come to Zig. <laughs> Something I'm, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on, mate, is with, and I, I do think that definition of success is gold. And it's very different to generations that I grew up in or my parents or my grandparents grew up in. It's very different. And how we gauge success is very different today. Not right or wrong. It's just different. What I'm thinking, though, is that definition, which seems to sums up, sum up what millennials are thinking, is that now finding its way into all generations? Is it? Are you seeing the fact that this, and you said at the top of the show, we talked about the different generations and you said it was about, you know, lost or found. It was all generations. And I, I kind of understand that. Do you find this view of life, success, what we want now splintering into younger generations coming through and especially some of the older generations where people are starting to go, what is this all about? I don't know too many young people, so I might not be a qualified opinion on that, but I would I would say that just logically that it's only getting worse. Do what you want mentality, do what makes you happy and you know that's success. And um, I would say that would only get worse until there's a really strong um, grassroots movement of no, it's doing what's right um, and doing whatever you're doing to the best of your ability um, 
while helping others. I, I think when more people adopt that and make that a really popular concept and a popular way of living, then you'll start to see younger generations catch on. Um, but I think right now it's kind of a, a gradual descent into just hedonism. Tell me about you, your friends, the millennials as a generalization. How do they look at their work day? How do they plan their work day? And the reason I ask the question is because I moved into WeWork, which is now a $17 billion company, which is less than seven years old. And it is full, full of you guys just getting after it, getting stuff done. It's a fantastic environment. I'm curious to hear your thoughts for this generation as to how, how they view their workday. What are their expectations for a workday? Like what's, what's perfect for them? Uh, they want a lot of time for reflect, or reflection and creativity. So I think that other bootstrapping and you know, straight-laced, blue-collar generations, they would say, you know, oh, you want to have a two hour break in the middle of the day, or you only want to work four hours a day. Like you must be this, uh, prodigious slacker. But for me, I think that's a sign that you're in touch with your human need, which is to be creative, to reflect and to have personal time throughout the day. So I think what most millennials want is, and what, what their employers would, uh, would engender more loyalty with is, having more free time for, for employees throughout the day, having longer breaks in the midday uh, and definitely having fewer hours. Mm. Let's, let's flick it back into Daniel world, Daniel land. Uh, what makes a great day for you? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, <laughs> no, it's only because I, that's, that's pretty much just what I write about is how I have good days and how other people can have good days and how to make that repeatable. So for me, that is, um, as soon as I wake up, you know, even before I lift my eyelids and, uh, greet the world, it's what are my thoughts? And I'm choosing gratitude. Like that's, I've had to work hard to get to that level of, you know, uh, you know, getting over that weight of the world on your shoulders, or just, you know, feeling anxious or feeling depressed and just not buying into that and saying, no, this is actually how I'm going to start my day. Uh, God, thank you so much for my incredible job. Thank you so much for my friends. Thank you so much for these amazing opportunities that I've had and for the gifts that I've been blessed with for the people in my life, for my family. And, um, just immediately focusing on that and then honing in on specific instances, um, you know, that, I've been really, really, really grateful for, you know, um, like when I first started my career and I had miracles to make rent and, uh, <laughs> uh, just everyday miracles that help you get through and help you stay on the path, uh, that you've chosen or my path, my, um, passion path, which is writing and coaching and, uh, generally just helping people to enjoy their lives more and to contribute more through their passions. Something in there, which, I haven't really heard talked about before, so you may take complete ownership of this because I haven't heard it before, is we we see all these blogs and you're a writer, so you're doing it every day. You're, you're writing. We're watching YouTube clips that are motivational. We see documentaries. We meet with coaches. 
But the one thing that I think is really profound and absolute gold is that word repeatable. And that's something I haven't heard about because we read, here's the way to be happy, here's the way to be successful, more productive. The issue is that it wears off and it's not repeatable. Tell me, tell me something in your mind that you've come across. If you use that word, it's obviously something that you believe in and you've gotten good at or are working at. What makes a good habit, a good change of thought repeatable? Um, enjoying it, knowing fully, having full faith in the positive consequences and uh, reminding yourself. So having a reliable, a reliable system of reminders. What, what would that be? Like what, what is, what is a typical reminder for you? Like I, that's the interesting point. What would that look like? For me, that's d- doing a Siri command and saying, Hey, remind me that I have this client to prepare for at 1030 or uh, when it comes to habits, if I'm just getting into the first phases of it, like I started brushing my teeth last week. What? <laughs> what? You have teeth left after all this time? <laughs> you know, if I wake up at 8, then at 8.15, I would have a reminder going off that's programmed to go off every single day indefinitely that says, brush your teeth. It's this really cool thing, and I really think it's going to work. <laughs> there is some science behind there's some data behind you, that mate so stick with it can you hear my halitosis <laughs> <laughs> okay let, let's let's take it back a bit so if i take you back there was a phase that you went through where you were you said you were clinically depressed mm, mm. if we take you back to that time what i'd be interested in knowing is for you at that time how did it feel and what was the turning point that helped to drag you out of that darkness? Because you said it was pretty dark for you. How, oh, how, yeah. Just describe to us how it felt in that darkness. And number two is how, what, what did you do? What change did you make to drag yourself out of the, out of the darkness? Hmm. Well, it felt like wading into a pool of saltwater taffy that was jet black and that smelled like evil uh, and just not being able, not being able to move. If you know, you can move, you can walk, but you're not going anywhere. Uh, You can flee to California. You can flee to Texas. You can flee back to your home state of Oklahoma, but you're not going anywhere. So it's just that feeling of total despair that nothing that you can do is going to make a difference because you've tried so many different things. Plus the saltwater taffy. <laughs> Good old saltwater taffy. <laughs> so in that dark place, we're in the saltwater taffy and it's dark and it's gloomy and it's sticky and nothing's working. And I, I get that. I completely understand where you can hear everything, you can see everything, everyone's telling you, but you go, it's just not working. I just feel like crap. What was, what was the catalyst to getting you out of that saltwater taffy? How did you drag yourself to the side, dust off, and get started on this, this successful career you now have? Zig Ziglar was the catalyst. I can't. Zig. Yeah, it has to be Zig because I was just floundering, flopping, flailing. Um, and then my stepdad was getting rid of some items, 
uh, at my, my parents' old place up in the hills of Albuquerque. And uh, I saw in this box Zig Ziglar's cheesy-ass grin. And <laughs> I just, I just, from a, <laughs> and I and I thought, who is this asshole? So I had to go. I had to go just check out this guy with this brash, brazen, cheesy grin, and uh, see what he was all about. And then come to find out, he was the most common sense, down to earth. Uh, salt of the earth person with the best advice that I'd ever heard. So I listened to this advice as I was driving, as I was going about my day and I would listen and I would listen and I would listen and I would absorb. And, um, and that's when I started my first self-improvement routine. Well, I guess listening to the podcast was the first or not podcast. Listening to the audio tape was the first self-improvement routine that I started, but of his, um, you know, prescribed routines it was affirmations and he said just do it i promise you you know you you're not gonna feel like it's the truth you're gonna feel stupid you feel downright foolish but (laughs) just do it and i i had respected him enough for all the common sense advice he gave up to that point um all the all the true to life anecdotes and he even spliced in a good amount of research. And so it was probably into the second or third hour. And, and then it just really hit me. I thought, well, why not? Am I, is life going to get any worse? Could it possibly get any worse? I'm sitting here on my mom's couch arguing with my little sisters about who would clean up dog shit that weekend. And I'm 23 or 24, however so you know let's do let's try some affirmations can i look any sillier at this point <laughs> uh so I, I started morning afternoon and night and i just never stopped do you still use affirmations today and would they so we all have dark days even even the greatest performers the likes of the zigs brian tracy's Tony Robbins, I mean, all the, all the greats of Jim Rohn, all the greats of self-improvement, self-help, would all have dark days where something just goes on inside their mind. How do you deal with your dark days? And is affirmations still part of your rituals or routines to deal with that? Definitely. Um, and the darkest days are the days where I feel least like affirming what I actually am because I believe that God made us all in his image and that we're all, uh, good, that we are all good and not, not just, you know, mostly good, but that we're actually all good. And that these other characteristics that we take on, those are little bitty lies that, you know, we just, um, condition ourselves to, to think is true or are true. And, um, yeah, so those days that I feel least like telling myself the truth, you know, that I am a, a good human being, that I am worthy, that I'm valuable, that I have good stuff to offer, those are the days where I lean into the hill as, you know, it's a, run, a runner's term. But, you know, the biggest hills, the most frightening ones are the ones that you have to lean into the most because if you don't, you know, your ass is falling back or you're not going to make it. You're just not going to have enough momentum. So, it's those days where I just, I really have to buckle down, lean forward, 
and say what I really am, despite how I feel. And in saying those things, especially looking into the mirror and telling myself forcefully and forcing myself to feel what I'm actually saying, that's when my mindset automatically changes. So uh, that's very reliable. Um, uh, reliving powerful experiences of gratitude, of um, of grace, you know, just good things, good people, uh, miracles in my life. That's very reliable. Getting up and exercising. Um, uh, last morning, for instance, I woke up in, you know, I woke up in some salt water taffy. I'll be, you know, it was, it was, I was thick in it and I just didn't feel like doing anything. I felt like, you know, pulling the covers over my head. And even though I've been having just success after success after success, and my clients have been having success after success after success. And I was just feeling like, God, you know, well, I'm a joke and <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, and it's just one of those little lies that I needed to weed out. So after I did my affirmations, uh, after I did my prayer gratitude, just, you know, the internal work, I went out and I decided to do something physically fun that would change, that would just completely change my state, something that I would look forward to something that I would have a blast doing. So, um, I, I live in the high desert plateau and, uh, there are arroyos here. Uh, they're essentially dried up creeks that flood whenever we get, you know, three drops of rain and they have really steep banks. And the one that I live next to has just hundreds of feet of perfect rock climbing walls that range from 10 to 25 feet tall. And, uh, they just go on and on and on. So, I took a little hike up there and just rock climbed for 30 minutes and I challenged myself and I felt my blood pumping. I, I encouraged myself. I appreciated myself when I got done with the route and, and I just, I felt so excited. I felt so happy just challenging myself, getting, getting moving. And when I started to have those positive emotions flood and then I really channeled those into what I was going to do for my day, who I was going to help, um, how I was going to align with my purpose, you know, asking God needed and thanking him for all the amazing things that I have and just really focusing on making today the best day of my life. And, uh, and yesterday ended up being one of the best days of my life. And it started off, you know, saltwater taffy. We, uh, we spoke to a lady called Suzanne Mercia a few months back on the show, Daniel and Suzanne, is an expert on the imposter syndrome. And it's it's something I wanted to ask you about because I, I read in one of your stories that you were saying to yourself, I'm a loser. And you sort of said a similar thing of the dialogue that was going through your mind back when you were in that tapioca in the, the dark times. <laughs> tapioca, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Lumpy, delicious. Vanilla <laughs> tapio, um, but it's 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 something I'm interested in uh, from your coaching and your writing. This is my opinion. I think there are two major things that go through our mind with the imposter syndrome. One is I'm not worthy, or I'm going to get found out. I am actually imposter. So the the higher up the leadership, or the more successful you get, the more you feel as though it's all going to go to crap, and you're going to get found out, and you really don't deserve it. That's the first part. The second part 
that I, I believe, and it's something you've said, is I'm a loser. And I think that that's pretty deep and pretty significant for a lot of people who'd be listening, that we all go through that. You went through it. Is it something that you see a lot or hear a lot about with your coaching and writing? Oh, I, I see it in people that I meet every day. And uh, it's just a matter of that internal dialogue. So we have these instances, we have these failures when we're growing up. Uh, we have people who just crap on us from childhood and they call it parenting. Um, and so we just kind of accept those things, internalize them, and maybe even just neglect them because we, we don't want to think about those things. But those little thoughts, uh, they keep repeating in your subconscious and they reflect in your actions. So for me, that loser dialogue, I didn't even hear a word of it. I didn't hear one word of it, not until I was 24, not until I started practicing affirmations. Um, but my whole life said it. My whole life said that's what I thought about myself because, you know, I couldn't stick with anything. I couldn't, uh, I dropped out of the army, dropped out of high school, dropped out of college. You know, I just, I, I had... I, I thought I was deficient genetically or something, but it was just the internal dialogue. So I went, when I started the affirmations, when I was consistent with them, uh, I like to use a metaphor, um, a pond. So your, your life is this pond and affirmations are stones and the pond looks tranquil. You know, there's, you can see a reflection, uh, you know, there, it's, it's, peaceful, but you throw in the rock and what happens? That rock, if it's big enough, it stirs up the sediment on the bottom. And so whenever I, I would take, whenever I'd practice my affirmations, I was throwing in rock after rock, you know, like worthy, good, enough, okay, uh, kind, decent, responsible, respectable, uh, those generous, those things um, with enough time you know, they, they had enough weight to actually stir that sediment up from the bottom. And that's when I started hearing for the first time, like actually hearing that dialogue in my head. Uh, so, you know, I would throw in a rock winner and then I would get back three, three thoughts, you know, this cloud of sediment, <laughs> loser, failure, never going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just another morning in the Mojo Radio Show studio, brother. Sounds like it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I think this is great, Daniel. I think you're, you're dropping you're dropping gold in that arroyo. But at this point, I think we're going to go to the bar, and uh, I'm going to paint a picture of our folks at home. You're in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and you are in the Stone Face Bar having a doseki. Hello to our friends oh. at Doseki and Tim Tams. Uh, you're having a Doseki at the bar and you meet a guy called Greg. You're having a beer, he's having several, and Greg drops on you tips that you can count on for life. Can you share the most significant tip that Greg shared with you at the bar in Albuquerque, New Mexico? Okay. Um, persistence. Just that actual word was the best tip that I ever got. So, and I think, and I, I don't put a lot of stock in a lot of what David Icke says, but 
I remember just hearing one talk that he just, he said, persistence, that's all you need to know. Persist, persist, persist. And it really sunk. It sunk in for me. And, you know, maybe that was one of the triggers that that was one of the reasons why I could stick with affirmations. And then after I stuck with that for so long, maybe that's why I could stick with journaling. And after that, maybe that's why I could stick with writing an article every day and, you know, just so on from there. Why, why can you stick with journaling? And we'll come to that in a second, but why can you stick with journaling? You can stick with writing, but you quit the army. What, what was going on there? Uh, why did I stick with journaling? Well, why, why do you have the ability to persist with journaling and writing, but then it seems you didn't have the ability to persist with the army for whatever reason? Like, was there a particular reason why the army didn't work for you? It was so misaligned with my purpose. My purpose is not to support war, war machines. It's not to support, you know, the top 1% who manipulate masses of people and who don't value human life. Um, my purpose was something completely different. It was to remind people of their worth, their dignity, and their potential through writing and coaching. And uh, it took me a while to find that purpose. But after I found it, I realized, huh, I wasn't a failure in all of these things. I just was not meant to do that. Um, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, at least that helps me sleep better at night. <laughs> how, how, did, how did you find your purpose? Because that, that is a big issue for people. I know Poe po Bronson wrote a book about finding your purpose, which was, a, was an excellent book. It's, I think it's something people struggle with. You, you obviously thought the army was a solution, and for some it is, because there are some people who build their whole life, their whole purpose and mission around the armed services, which is cool. Wait, you just However, took a big you, leap. You just took a big leap. You said that I thought it was a good thing to do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, yeah, that's right. I didn't think I didn't even I didn't think back then. I didn't. I did not. Was that think. just a solution for you? It was just something to try? It was something to try. In fact, yeah. Uh, one of my best friends at that time was this punk rocker kid. Everyone called Mowgli, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, well, he's a big fan of the Mojo Radio Show. Oh, Mogs. Uh, the Mogs later. Yeah, the Mogs. The Mogster. The Mogster. The Mogster. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> big shout out to Mogster. <laughs> um, but yeah, he just, he, he was a couple years ahead of me and then um, he realized that his life was going nowhere. So he thought, well, maybe I'll just do this and uh, at least have some financial security because being poor sucks. And then he just said to me, hey man, you should totally join the army with me. And, uh, hey man, hey man. And said, well, well, okay, Mowgli, <laughs> you know, I'll do it. You know, this, uh, just no thought. It was something to do. It was something to do. Strikes me um, very much of the plot line of, um, what was that Bill Murray movie, Stripes? Do you remember that? Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, let's join the army. Yeah, let's do you're it. Showing your age, given the fact you're, you're at the premiere of it. That's, uh, that's really showing your age. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we let you go, I, I just want to query you. Um, you said in a blog that Facebook and texts and emails were a source of comfort for you. But then on the flip side, you realized they also brought you the greatest anxiety and despair. So you gave them up. Just talk us through that. Just talk us through the, the, the mental approach of going through that, knowing that it was a source of comfort, but the other side it's just despair and having the courage for a millennial to be able to give it up for a while. What happened? What was going through your mind at the time? What's the outcome? And how do you manage it today? Okay. Um, 
it was comforting in that it distracted me from my prerogative to find my purpose and to live my purpose and to do my absolute best every single day, no exception. So that was the comfort. Ah, you know, that big responsibility. I don't have to think about it. Ooh, that, that was giving me anxiety. And now I have an escape. And so I just escaped all day. But the flip side, like you mentioned, it gave me, it compounded the anxiety because I wasn't confronting it. I wasn't actually resolving it. I was palliating it. And since I was palliating it, since it wasn't resolving, it was growing unchecked. And it was, you know, it came to a point where I thought I can keep doing this and keep living on my mom's couch and keep wondering why I'm here and miring in this existential funk, or I can make a hard decision and not do it. And I had faith that if I didn't do it, then I would be able to commit all that extra time and focus, mostly uninterrupted focus, into doing a few things well. Uh, one of which was writing, one of which was pitching, um, one of which was planning. And um, yeah, so when I gave those things up, those things that I would check every five minutes all throughout the day, then I had eight hour blocks of uninterrupted focus if I disciplined myself to do what I knew was best. And I mean, the, the proof is that I'm successful today after just, you know, three years ago, I was sleeping on my parents' couch, not knowing what to do. And, uh, like I said earlier, arguing with my little sisters about who'd clean up dog shit that weekend. (laughs) And who won? Uh, probably my little sisters. They're, they're so, um, so brainy and uh, strong willed. <laughs> Don't worry, mate. I go through the same thing, but who's going to clean up the shit in the studio? And uh, it's never me. <laughs> um, hey, um, yeah, you leave your Cocoa Pops bowl over in the corner there. Come on. Come right. on. <laughs> Daniel, you just used the word discipline, and it's been a theme through our show now for probably the last two, two and a half years. It's something we always hone in on regardless of who we talk about. And you just mentioned it. Tell me in your mind for your generation, discipline comes from what? Discipline comes from having a plan that you have 100% faith in. So with that definition, it's not surprising to me that most millennials aren't extremely disciplined because we're, we're not really taught this soft skill of planning and also the concept of faith, like just leaping into something and knowing that if you do it every day that you're going to be taken care of. I don't, I think, uh, and it may have to do with atheism or just, uh, agnosticism, but for me having this, God was a key part of having discipline because I, you know, I recognize that God, you gave me these talents uh, and you gave me this desire to help people, even though I'm not necessarily capable of helping myself that well right now. Uh, So it really was a leap of faith to say, if I do this, if I stick with this, this plan that I've come up, which is writing every single day, pitching every day um, and getting on bigger publications and, you know, eventually building a writing and coaching career, that I will be taken care of. So, yeah, I think faith was a key element and continually refining my plan. 
gave, gave me discipline, which is just sticking to something. We always are impressed by guests who can use big words or words that we don't understand. And one of those words is neomania that you've said is the bane of the millennial. What the heck is neomania? Oh, <laughs> I don't think you'll find it in uh, M-dub, the good old M-dub yet. But <laughs> neomania, just an obsession with the new. Um, so that could even be new notifications on your phone. Or tech, uh, or emails, or social notifications, or it could be the latest technology, the latest uh, iPhone update, the latest bit of news, quote unquote, uh, you know, coming from ABC or NBC or whatever media outlet that you listen to or watch. Um, yeah, so just being so obsessed with what's coming next, what's coming next, instead of doing something with what you have. Um, so I had neomania. I was, it was, you know, another relationship, uh, you know, another iPhone would make me feel better, um, all these other things. And I cured that just by focusing on doing a few things really well. And uh, I haven't listened to the news in a couple of years, and I don't find myself any less informed. <laughs> <laughs> a new iPhone still always feels good though, right? It does. <laughs> Sickeningly, it does. <laughs> I was thinking the other day, you know, I rifled off like 10 really specific alerts slash alarms and notes and, you know, hey, Siri, text this person. And after I got done, I thought, how could I, could I have survived with just a pen and a paper That's like, right. in the night? Uh, in the early 1900s. Yeah. <laughs> My 10-year-old son said to me the other day, he said, um, so when you were walking home from school and you'd ring Nana to tell her what time you were going to be home, blah, blah, blah. And I went, mate, I couldn't ring Nana when I was on my way home from school. What do you mean? It's like, well, I didn't have phones. If I wanted to make a phone call, I had to find a phone booth. What's a phone booth? <laughs> and this is only one generation. It's just crazy, right? It is. Daniel, I heard, it's interesting what you just said about the bright, shiny objects and distraction. I heard Joe DeSena, who actually is going to be a guest on our show for Rocktober, and he's the guy who started Spartan Racing and does a fantastic podcast called Spartan Up. And um, he hit this great line. He said that there's a quote, and I, I don't know who it was. They said it was from Edison, but I checked it. I don't think it was. And it said, you asked me for a new idea, yet you haven't done anything with the last one. And it kind of sums up what you were saying about this generation, which I think is spreading into older generations as well, that we're just so obsessed with the new. But all these learnings, we're not actually taking all these, we're looking for the next silver bullet, but we're not taking advice from the stuff that's in front of us. Is that something you're finding with your coaching? I put my coaching clients on an information fast. So they, they came, they, they uh, came across my coaching. They came across my articles by reading articles, but <laughs> it's what they, it's what they do with it. So there's this, uh, this paradox, you know, you can, you want to improve yourself. So you read all these articles, but what, at what point do you stop reading and what point do you start doing? Because if you keep reading the articles and you don't do then you're precluding yourself from self-improvement. So when they find me, 
And I just, I want them to focus on these very basic, 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 basic routines and goal planning, uh, figuring out their purpose and then taking steps towards that every single day, no exceptions. Uh, then I have them cut out even mind, body green, these awesome, inspiring websites. Um, just no, just no. If you have reliable steps and when people pay a couple grand for eight weeks of coaching, um, they have faith that what you say, you know, it's going to help them. So it's easy for them to kind of say, okay, well, you're the boss, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, deactivate Facebook or all, all these other things. And, you know, I'll even stop reading or stop using the internet, uh, unless I have to use it, you know, for my goal planning or purpose or research. And, uh, yeah, but the real results just, it comes from tuning out, the information. Cause if you've even lived for 30 seconds in this world, you're saturated with all these tips. Um, and all of them are good, but how much of, how much of it do you actually need? You know, if you, if, if you have the good, you, you've mentioned journaling through the interview today. How do you use your journal? My handwriting is really bad, so I can't actually read it. So I ended up using it as toilet paper after the fact because I'm really green. I'm really eco-conscious. <laughs> no, it's it's funny because people say, "Is that is are are those ancient runes? Is that artwork? Like that? That can't possibly." It's hieroglyphics. Yeah, it's hieroglyphics, um, and it's funny because it's Greek to me. Uh, uh, so. I use journaling to digest the information that I've received in a day. And that information is everything. Like everything that I've done, I get information from. So if I wake up and I forget to do exercise or if I skip affirmations and I feel like shit or I don't accomplish as much as I would like to have or just generally felt uh, worse about myself, that's information. It's really useful information. And before I started journaling, that information just slipped through the cracks. But when I reflected on every detail, every thought that I had that day, um, then I started mastering the information. Like, oh, now I can actually do something with it. And when I adopted a daily planner uh, concurrently, you know, I'd have I'd go to bed with my journal, I'd go to bed with my planner, and I would pick up all of these insights. Like, huh, I've. Uh, I've actually indulged in social media a lot more than I would like to have, and it's made me feel impotent. Um, and I haven't gotten nearly as much done as I'd like to have. So, you know, and actually at the end of that binge, I had stopped journaling for like a couple days. And that was because I wanted to stay in this, you know, self-destruct mode. Like, ah, oh, I just need social media and I'll be okay. Ah, oh, I don't need to do anything useful. I just, I just need these things to make me feel comfortable. Uh, and, uh, but no, but when I actually journaled about the experience, it was, oh, well, the easy solution is to put a moratorium on social media and every, you know, um, every reactive source like texts and um, email and Twitter and stuff like that. So, yeah, that journaling insight helped me getting that information helped me to plan uh, proactively. And then I ended up having the most productive week in my whole life 
um, up to that point. So that's how I use that's how I use the journal. I don't necessarily need to read it. I just need to go for the thoughts to be in touch with what's happening and the important things I write down in uh, my plans for tomorrow, the next week, the next month, or I put them in my uh, notes section in my computer. So I have tabs for just general insights. I have tabs for uh, you know health, fitness, spirituality, career. I have. 20 different tabs under writing, uh, writing insights, writing influences, writing projects, you know, all these other things. So every bit of information that's pertinent gets filed away somewhere where I can come back to it and make a good decision from it. Daniel, this has been great. I have so enjoyed hearing about your journey and your thoughts and your writings. For people who do want to follow up with you to see more of your stuff, uh, where would you send them? Um, I would send them first to millennialsuccess.io or dowlingwriter.com. And uh, if if this podcast were a month in the future, I would send them to YourSingleYear.com, which is my next big project. And uh, my web developer is currently putting it up. But it just happened that most of my coaching clients were coming to me from articles that talked about being single, the benefits of a single year. And they got incredible results being single for a year, forgetting about the toxic relationships, just focusing on themselves and committing to a year of massive self-improvement and goal setting. And uh aligning with their purpose on a daily basis, just massive self-improvement. So I figured, well, that's the next phase. So in a month, you know, yoursingleyear.com is the place. Let's, let's check in again. Let's give you a month or so to get it up, so to speak. Um, and when, <laughs> when up it, single after all, when <laughs> it is working and, it won't uh, take a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you're satisfied that it's working and everything's going good, uh, come back and give us an update because that sounds like we have a, a bit of a chat about that. That sounds like a very interesting exercise. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the offer. It's It's been pretty incredible. Uh, I've had uh, really successful business owners, uh, 200, 200 plus employees and uh, solopreneurs, authors who've taken it on my advice or, you know, just being friends and then doubled, quintupled, octupled their business uh, and just, you know, lost the weight, you know, let go of that old toxic relationship that had been holding them back and just really finding new levels of professional and personal success. So it's, I, for me, it's the being single is I'm trying to make it uh, not the plague because right now it's the plague. Yeah. Well, mate, thank you for your time. This has really been very enjoyable and uh, we will keep in touch with you. Look at the new work you're coming up with. We'll get you back on the show again uh, in a couple of months' time once uh, when everything's set. I really appreciate it. I've had a blast. And next time I find myself in Australia, I'll let you guys know. The door is always open. Just as you walk into the studio, though, just watch out for Gary's Cocoa Pops bowl that he leaves next to the door on your way in. Oh, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate milkshake on the crunchy. The Mojo Radio Show. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Oh, thank God. You know, the other problem we're creating for ourselves is by offering to meet all these people for coffee when they're in Australia, we're going to have no time for the show. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's, the, that, that, that's a downside I can deal with. Yeah, I'll deal with that too, absolutely. Imagine them all at once around a big table. That would be sensory overload, wouldn't it? Okay, roll it. At the Mojo Radio Show, we love hearing about people who are chasing their dreams. I have a dream. People 
who are getting after it. We're going to do a flashback on a getting after it. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, Rodney from Chili Bomb got in contact with me a couple of weeks back just to say good day and update me on where he's at. And uh, that night I went to my fridge with my grass-fed beef and got his chili sauce because I'm a subscriber out of the fridge. And I thought we should just get him back on again to catch up on what he's doing because we interview guests and it's nice, particularly in the getting after it segment, is to recap to see, well, if it's been 8, 10, 12 months since we spoke to you last, you know, what's gone on? Because a lot of people... We know we have a lot of listeners who are either wanting to start a side hustle or in a side hustle. And sometimes you don't actually hear the whole journey. Like you hear it once they've been successful, they recap the journey, but you don't always hear them along the way. So anyway, we got Rodney on the phone for a quick chat to update us on Chili Bomb. Mate, how's it going? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. So uh, being fans of the company, give us the update, mate. What, uh, we haven't spoken to you for probably – it would have been before Christmas time because I know I ordered some boxes of Chili Bomb for gifts for Christmas time. So it must have been late 16 we spoke to you? Yeah, it was around then, yeah. So what's happened since then? Yeah, so we're we're almost a year in now. So it's been, it's been going really well. So we're – about to send out our fourth delivery because we deliver once a quarter. So, uh, and we've got a pretty good, strong, solid base of, of customers. Um, and we've started getting out there in terms of doing some shows, uh, some markets, all that sort of stuff, just trying to get the name out there and getting some hot sauce into people's hands. <laughs> now, just to refresh people's minds, uh, people subscribe to Chili Bomb and then each quarter – a box arrives, beautifully packaged, by the way. Beautiful package arrives with three bottles of chili sourced from somewhere around the world. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, we, we, we've been getting more and more sources in all the time. And, uh, yeah, it's, they just come from everywhere. So, yeah, you subscribe and you get three hot sauces. And they're full-size bottles. They're not sample size for you to enjoy. I've got to say a funny story. I had someone come visit me and I pulled out the three bottles that were in the pack that I had bought. And one was, I think one was a ghost. One was a Melbourne something. And one was a demon thing. Yep. This guy comes over who thinks he's pretty, uh, pretty hardcore, looks at three bottles and goes, wow, I'll go to the Melbourne. How hot can that be? It comes from Melbourne. Like it's not a ghost or a demon. Like I just can't be that hard. Went hard on it. And I kid you not, spent 20 minutes walking around the house, could not talk, eyes were watering. <laughs> and every time that he went to say something, he went, I just can't do it. It, it completely, like, they're, they're good sources, aren't they? Yeah, they're good ones, yeah. So we're trying, to, we're trying to do a good mix of sources, but everyone loves the really hot ones. So, yeah, we do send out the hot ones. What's been, just for those uh, who are interested in their chili, two things. What's your favourite first up? Oh, for me, I think the favourite that we've featured so far is... Um, it's, a, it's called Red Clipper, and it's a habanero, mango, rock melon, and lime. Ooh. So a really, really interesting flavor. And you get it's a, it kind of fools you a little bit because it's nice and sweet from the fruit, but then it, this kind of heat just comes through in the background. It's amazing. Like um, it kind of sneaks up on you. How does that – just as a person who is an expert in chilies, being yourself, how, how, does, that, how does that happen where – you eat something, and then sometime later, the heat appears. What what is going on there? It's uh, it's actually the chemical that's in the chili called capsa- capsaicin, 
Um, and in different types of chilies, it appears in different ways. Some of them, it builds up on your tongue. And you, at first, you don't really notice it. But then there's a build-up over time and it, and actually can uh, can cause a lot of pain. And the second thing I'm interested in knowing, Rodney, is what if you do get a good chilli sauce and it has got some heat in it, do you know the health benefits of getting that heat into your system? Yeah, well, there are lots of studies that have been done around the benefits of chilli in general uh, in terms of the impact on your metabolism, um, you know, speeding up your metabolism generally, um, and then just all the benefits of capsaicin itself uh, in terms of impact on cancer, asthma, all sorts of things they've been doing studies on around how, how good chili is for you, plus all the vitamins you get in a chili. So a, a year in, you're starting to get some confidence because this was a side hustle for you, uh, yeah. and you're deciding to go all in and give it a full crack. What's been the turning point for you? What's what's given you the confidence to to go from it being something on the side to having a real real go at this? I think for me, it's just um, seeing the the reaction that I've had from customers and and people who are interested in hot sauce and the idea. So there's definitely something in this, and I think for me, if I want to be true to myself and give it a really good go, uh, I've got to go all in because doing it as a side hustle is great, but it it you know, I, I need to give it more love. Say the last six months when you look at your journey and it's now getting some momentum, what's been the greatest lesson in the last half a year that has given you confidence to have a crack at this? Uh, I think the greatest lesson is just do it. So you kind of always there hesitating about things and thinking, should I do it? Should I not? Um, you know, a classic example is we... Uh, booked a stand at the Man Cave Expo, which was a an expo that happened at Sydney Olympic Park in July. And I'm denied about it for so long, um, but I'm so glad I did it. Um, it probably didn't meet expectations in terms of the sales that I was expecting, but it definitely helped in terms of getting the name out there. And it was a great learning curve. And now we're set up to do it all the time. So we can we can switch this on anytime we need to because we've bought all the stuff we need and we're just ready to go. Um, and I'm just glad we did it. Maybe we should do some chili tasting here in the man cave that is the Mojo Radio Show, Robo. Yeah. Don't we perpetually do that? <laughs> just <laughs> let me point out the beetroot stains from the chili hamburger that you had just a few minutes ago on your white <laughs> T-shirt there, Mr. Bird Whistle. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm going to throw this out there, Dos Equi, Stay interesting, my friends. <laughs> Chili and Tim Tams. How am I running with that? Hey, hey, how's that for a trifecta? Chili That'd Tim Tams. There, there's, there's an idea. Oh, Chili actually, Tim Tams. That would work. Chocolate and Chili, Chili go together. Fantastic. Chili yeah, and chocolate do. go well together. Actually, my little girl is about to start experimenting with 70% dark chocolate and chili and actually blend the two together so you get this hot – because I've started putting chili in my kefir and my kombucha. Yeah. And people come yep. over used to the stuff they buy in shops and they say, oh, can I try it? I go, well, yeah, can, but it's got my habaneros and stuff in it. And they go, oh, no, it's good. And it's, it's a bit the same thing. They have it and then it, they go, oh, that's really, because I put lime or a lemon in it and then a little bit of habanero. Wow, that's just 
put it this way, a lot of, a lot of habanero. <laughs> and uh, as you say, a couple of seconds later, they go, that's nice. A couple of seconds later, their eyes just widen as the habanero hits in. But my belief is that you can experiment with chili into th- things you wouldn't normally do, like a dark chocolate. <laughs> I don't know if a Tim Tam is stretching the friendship too much, <laughs> but I'm ha- happy, to, happy to give it a crack. I do dark chocolate Tim Tams, back off. Yeah, let's get a syringe. And we'll do a Heston Blue Menthol on the Tim Tam and we'll insert chili <laughs> into the Tim, into the centre of the Tim Tam. Oh, Bit of chili sauce. This yeah. is gold. This is gold chili. We're yeah. onto something, well, I'm telling we've you. We've been um, making chocolate brownies with um, hot sauce recently and they're amazing. Mm. They're amazing. Mm. I'm just going to put this out there. If there's anybody from Arnott's listening, <laughs> info <laughs> at themojoradioshow.com, get in touch. <laughs> so funny. Well, it worked with, we, we've been running a thing here Rodney, in case you hadn't caught up with the show, but we had had a Mexican beer for four years. We gave us nothing. It was just a, a muck around piss take for us. And uh, another Mexican brand uh, heard us on the air talk about their brand, which is Dos Equis, yep. and decided to endorse us as being the most interesting men in podcasting and sent us a couple of cartons, which has been, which has been awesome. Uh, so now we're putting on Tim Tams, who are the other part of our show, is to say... Uh, Get your act together. Get on board. Give, yeah. Get we, some. We might have to move on to Monte Carlo's. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's a bit of a different step to take. Yeah. Come on, Tim Tams. There you go. Oh, or maybe we could goodness. go Anzac Biscuits. <laughs> well, Rodney, good to hear, mate. We're fans of what you're doing. And I think the thing that I'm most excited about is you're going to go all in. You've had a crack at it. You've got you've got after it. And uh, you were one of the first to ever do that segment with us here on the show. And it's, it's great, mate. I love what you do. I love your packaging. I haven't tried the – was it Red Clipper? Yes, it was Red Clipper. Yep. So if somebody uh, is going to get your next pack, which comes out for this quarter, can they back order – a red clipper? Yeah, they can. So all the sources that I've featured in the past are all available for sale on the website. Oh, nice. Okay. And the website address is? Chilibomb.com.au. And it's without a B on the end, isn't it? C-H-I-L-L-I-B-O-M.com.au. Yeah. .au. Beautiful. Well, once again, folks, we get nothing out of this except the kick of hearing a guy having a crack at it and getting after it. Good on you, mate. Good to catch up. Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your support. This is Tate Fletcher, Cage Fighter. This is a Mojo Radio Show, or I'll be coming to see you. As you well know, I love my chilli sauce, but I'm not sure I want to know about a chilli sauce you need to add with an eyedropper. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's, it's insane. And uh, it's ironic that last night I got an email from one of our listeners that had a photo of his chilli bomb box, his subscription oh, box. Wow. Great. So um, I think Rodney is onto something here. So to take us out, is it a little cliched to play Red Hot Chilli Peppers? No, not at all. <laughs> How could that be cliched? <laughs> now, the song that I'm going to suggest. Yeah. And I'm happy to concur on this. And I actually don't know the name, but, but it goes, Groy, Groy, Groy now. <laughs> I don't know what that, I know it's a Chili Pepper song because I saw uh, them play it live, but I actually don't know what the song is called. Yeah. And now I know why you only sing when you're drunk. Well, I've had a few Tosecchi's <laughs> right now, actually. But um, that aside, uh, it is the middle of the afternoon. Well, yep. it's five past 12. It is the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that comes to mind for me, and this is a long bow, but the song is, the lyric is, give it away, give it away, uh, give it away now. I know where you're going. With Rocktober coming up, how mm. cool would it be to give away a red hot chili sauce for Rocktober from Chili Bomb and the Mojo Radio Show? And I've got just the tagline. 
Remember last year we had, you know, drink the brew and you may see God. Mm. Just eat the chilli sauce and you will see God. <laughs> yeah. Or eat enough and you's going to hell. That's right. <laughs> you's going to hell. Uh and I'm thinking if it's going to be a chilli sauce, a red-hot chilli sauce from Chilli Bomb and the Mojo Radio Show, it has to have Trinidad Scorpion and Carolina Reaper, which are two Ooh. of the hottest chilies in the world. So yeah, yeah. I am going to get onto Rodney. We are going to start to see if we can, if he's interested in doing it, number one, if we are going to do it, what sort of recipe we can get because it has to be it's insanely, got to be ridiculously right? hot. Absolutely. And we'll sort, out, we'll sort out who the true believers are, the true Mojo Radio <laughs> Show believers. And if you don't get your mojo going, trust me, if we can get a sauce up and you try it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we might scare people off. <laughs> well, we'll find out who the true believers are. Well, we will. The, true, the, people, the people who want to see God. <laughs> the people see who really God. want to see God. Or go straight right. to hell. <laughs> it's going to be calls. There are definitely going to be calls, but that's the beauty of a podcast because you can do what you want, when you like, and you haven't got a program director saying, oh, no, you can't do that. Cut that out. That's right. Hello, Phil Douse. <laughs> All right. That's a big show. Red Hot Chili Peppers giving something away. We're out.
Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time.